0: You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse, Earful of Dirt is the only podcast dedicated to Major League Rugby. Now, coming to you live from across the United States, here's your hosts...
1: And we're live. Welcome to You're Full of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Aaron Castro. Coming to you from Mesa, Arizona. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Victor O'Perez and Dan Brown in New York City. Josh Fredland, content editor in Denver. Meanwhile, you know, producer Corey Munson, he's in the snow in Iowa. Uh, he's checking the comments for you. Send them in. Also, hashtag EODPod on Twitter. Um, so, how's everyone week? Everyone at a little. Everyone's week been
2: cold. Snow. No snow. I, see, I hear a common theme right now it's just cold.
1: Hey, if you want to come to Arizona, um, there's none of that.
3: We'll do <laughs> I'll take a hard pass. We'll stay in the Northeast.
4: In the cold. Yeah, you're just telling Ryan.
1: I'm not going to live in the cold. Sorry.
2: Whatever. I was born here, I'm used to it.
1: <laughs> All right. So just we've got up. Ryan Ginty from Next Level Rugby on. Uh, he is a rugby content producer. How's it going, Ryan?
3: Uh, it's going really great, man. I'm excited to be on. It's uh, you know nice to flip the script here and be on the other side and be able to talk. Uh, no life's good, man. What's up?
1: Lots you know, to talk about Oh yeah. oh yeah. Uh, you know, we're gonna get into the meat of it with the ARC. Uh, but you know, to, to let everyone know, for those new to the podcast, we're here each Monday, 10 p.m. Eastern. 7 p.m. Pacific time, we discuss news rumors for Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union competition. It's a chance to discuss the issues and hear from the league, team leadership, check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene. Also, we love to hear from you in the reviews, so if you leave a five-star review, we will read that out. This week, Dan.
2: This week, Dan. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> this week on the grind part two, we have, uh, we have Houston I dig moving, it. I dig it. <laughs> just switching straight from grind to this. Um, we've got Houston moving up to four and two after beating the Chicago lions, the Canam cup stays at home, which is probably the best part of the entire weekend, um, in my life. And then, uh, there's a bit of a, a bit of a funky situation going on in Seattle, um, with their... The recent scrimmage that was supposed to happen but didn't happen. So we'll get all into that. Uh, But let's jump right into the actual MLR related stuff first. Eric, what do you got on the. uh...
1: So Houston played Chicago United, uh, the Chicago Lions this weekend.
5: Victor. (laughs) Oh, Chicago United. (laughs) 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 I'm sorry.
4: Awesome. So, guys, let me get started up right here. So, first of all, welcome, first listeners, uh, viewers, to "Full of Dirt." Um, real quick, um, uh, Ryan, thank you for joining us, bro. I'm a big fan of your uh, video productions. I've seen a couple of your videos, uh, like a couple of years ago. So, great to have you here and talking to you.
3: A couple of years ago, man. There's been uh, I put out a couple since then, man. What's What's up? Where's the love? He's busy. Okay, All not- right. <laughs> if, I, I, as long as you're doing your research and your homework for this one, I'll give you a pass.
4: Of course, of course. I, I haven't right. been keeping up with your stuff as much as I, as I was. But I do know of you. So I follow He's next level for quite a well. while. So, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so going back to my answer, guys. So, man, this saber cats, man, just dominate every week of of course of preseason. And this is definitely looking really good for for the first season of Major League Rugby for, for the Houston team. Now the uh, score was sixty one to ten uh, over of course the Chicago Lions, which by the way was a team that had not only their own players, of course, but had borrowed players from rival teams, such as the Chicago Griffins and Chicago Blaze. Now the Cybercast started early with a try in the thirty minute Courtesy of Justin Allen, who, by the way, is now following us on Instagram. Thank you, Justin. And from there, we are just smooth sailing. Pretty much what happened last week against the Capitals. Alex, you guys did had some scoring opportunities from the 22-meter line uh, of the SaberCats, but the lineup's come dominance from the home team proved to be uh, too much for them. Leading to another convincing win by Houston. So again, great game. Uh, Ryan,
3: please go right ahead. Yeah, we just had Grant Cole talking about it. Uh, one of the cool things that I thought was uh, awesome is they're getting to really it's sixty-one to ten over Chicago. I mean, Chicago is not at that point yet, right? Like they're a great D-one men's team. What they're doing with the Hope uh, Chicago Hope and you know their facility. I played on their turf. Um, that they're building a new facility. It's great, but. um Awesome that the Sabercats are able to come out and get a lot of young kids, young guys, kids, I'm thinking Karen Farmer when I say kids, but getting a lot of young guys, reps, um, new players. I, I The name's slipping me, Aaron. Who's the, the 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 specimen we were talking about that the Sabercats have that came on and got a yellow card right away?
1: Shantez Jackson.
3: Nice. Shantez Jackson. Cool thing about him is that he just graduated from Houston while playing football in college the dude made millions like made a, a bunch of money like as a startup i think he's got like something like two or three startups so that's a cool thing and he's out there going to uh, tear it up for the Houston Saber Cats but uh really cool to see them doing good um, i'm excited i want to get out to Houston i mean they had 2000 people at their match uh social media game you know grant cole's killing it on point with the social media game and you know really excited for Houston what they got going on down there
1: damn yeah.
2: yeah i mean I really just want to say the same thing. I mean, it was against a, a former future MLR team or it may still actually be a future MLR team the, with the uh, <clears throat> and the Lions. Uh, but I'm really excited for next week and that's when they're actually going to be playing against uh, NOLA Gold. So it's the, first <clears throat> it's the first actual MLR versus other MLR team matchup. I don't think we're going to be able to watch it, but I'm definitely going to be listening on that one.
1: So some some color commentary here for you guys. Uh, so four Sabercats players were released to their former club, so I'm guessing it's, they are still their clubs. Uh, the requirements to play, uh, they couldn't just show up, right? Uh, all these guys were starters on their former clubs, so they had to attend all Sabercats practices and workouts and all of the club practices and workouts, and... Uh, except for one guy, I think everyone played almost a full match on Saturday, and one of those guys played another full match for the Sabercats. So that was pretty intense. Uh, moving on, uh, Canada Hate Week has ended, and we emerge victorious. Uh, you know, I sort of feel like... we are clapping. Got to get a rousing... Oh.
2: I started clapping.
1: Big. Clap I think I started. The-
2: I started clapping, and only Victor joined me, but he was actually on mute. So then it was really just <laughs> me
1: clapping. So big, big, big round of applause uh, for the Eagles getting it done. Uh, you know, to be <laughs> honest, I sort of felt like we started really slow because what we could have done to Canada, uh, we didn't do but we got there in the second half and uh, you know, you saw the, the champagne rugby, you know? Um, so did you guys hear anything about them not being a, able to afford an assistant coach to be flown down?
2: Doesn't surprise me. I,
5: well, I saw heard that.
1: that. On like I heard so I know Brian Ray tweeted that to me, uh, but I saw it before he said that, like, yeah, so if, you're, we're, if we think our financial woes are something, uh, well, their financial woes are worse. Uh, and then, you know, I, st- I think the foundation is starting to be added to now, uh, you know, and Gary Gold's really, in, you know, putting in his DNA on the team. Uh, toughness. Dylan Oudsley. Again, impressed me. We talked to him on the grind earlier tonight. Great player. Uh, you know, hate to be a thorn in some folks' sides, but Davies needs to start because the you saw again. That uh, uh, that no, nothing good
3: shot. I don't mean to hate on your shot. I love your shot. The,
1: the, <laughs> the, there was a big tempo change again in the second half. Um, that's my opinion. Um, we're also is it- this is. Dope, is that, is that tempo know. change?
3: Is that tempo change though? Is that because the guys are tired? The Canadians are tired, and they're they weren't they didn't bring in their subs as much, and then you bring Sean Davies on, who is ball capable speed. of being a starter, and then the ball speed, and then it's the deadly ball speed at the end, right? Like you have the X what? factor to open up the game in Augsburger to get you the tries, and then you got Davies to finish the game out. I think that's a great one-two combination. Uh,
1: I mean, it's the scrum half's job is to get the ball out. And there were some floaters from Nate again. He, although I will say he improved this week. I was, you know, was really I, but I still think Davies is the guy. But who I really want to see is Ruben De Haas. Because I think we can build for the next 10 years. Um we're our kicking, uh Gary Gold had talked about his kicking at the NDS a little bit. We're getting very aggressive on our kicks, which I really like. We're like when we're cross kicking out, we're chasing it down and pressing on defense and our grubbers and our like our kicks and chases are key and timed and we're just getting down the throat of, you know, a team like Canada and even against Argentina 15. And then my last note on this is where's Eric Howard? You know, Barkwill could can, cannot play 80 minutes. You know, he's played like 80 minutes no, he hasn't been subbed out. He has not been subbed out.
2: Getting ready for the pro season coming up.
1: So he's doing. Dan.
2: Yeah, I mean, I really, I, I did agree with you on the whole. I think they actually started pretty quickly for like the first ten minutes, and I think it was like fourteen nothing, and I was like, "Yeah, this is great. We're just going to stomp on them." And then they just kind of stopped for like the next ten to fifteen minutes, and I, I got pretty scared. Came down to like 14-7. Um, I did think Augsburg did, did, a, did a much better job in this one, so I very much liked it. And I, I loved his um, his try in the beginning when I think there was someone that was offsides or someone was right in front of him, so he just ran right around it and just just dotted it down. So that was awesome. I love that. Um, and again, it's just same thing as last week against Argentina. The, the depth, I felt, was really, or at least the second half, you know, the past – last 20 minutes of the game that's when really you saw a big difference and the momentum really completely shifted because you had someone like Davies like you were saying just come in and then um um Dorotolo and blanking on some names but I just love that at the end uh Ryan it looks like you were you're trying to raise your hand or at least do something there
3: oh no, no I I was just uh big Ben Landry came on he was uh he was pretty awesome um, and then, uh, yeah, no, I just, that's awesome game as an American, like we're watching it. It was a little bit harrowing at times. I mean, we didn't put the game away right away, but I just thought that the way that we were playing and, you know, just how everything was connecting and just, the the movement through the hands. And again, you know, Cam Dolan, that, that eight man, that's, you know, two cards and two weeks, but it's like, that is that, that risk that you get, um, with him. And then that one card, it was like, it was kind of funny how, He's looking to get the other guy dinged, and he's telling the ref to go to the TMO, and then he ends up getting himself thrown into the <laughs> sin bin, which I thought was an interesting uh, turn of events there because he's seeing the punches thrown, and the ref didn't even care, probably because he didn't connect any punches. But it was uh, it was pretty. He hit, him, he hit
2: him once, like he when he was grabbing him, he kind of like did like a bit of an uppercut thing, and then he just pushed him against the face, and Cam just stood there and took it. And I think it was uh, it took like eight punches, man. Like or at least hits. I don't it, know if all that were punches, but they were at least well, just like. It was extensions. A lot of
1: miss and Cam had his like hand out trying to, you know, because he's you know got an arm that's four feet long, and you know trying to make sure he doesn't get hit, and you know he's showing that he's not being aggressive, and yeah. you know he gets he gets a yellow for a tip tackle. Like this is the one.
2: So well, I can I can see that well I can see that being a yellow I don't really think it should have for the most part but if he received a yellow I didn't really think it made any sense that Blevins just got off completely scot free, and nothing happened from that.
3: Yeah, that was definitely something that was like, uh, "Oh, what, what about that? What what, yeah. what about that?" It's like, "Oh, wait a second, he just dropped them." But I, it was when it when it when I saw it in in full speed, you know, I didn't pick up on it. But when they did the replay and I saw him drop them, I was like, "Ooh." Ooh, hopefully they're not going back. I was like, "All right, yeah. be done with it. Be done with it, ref. Be done with it. Get away from it." And then I looked at it a couple more times, and I was like, "Oh man, that's a that's a heck of a reversal." Now Cam's sitting in the bin, and, yeah. and
2: uh wow. I will say that when he was off um, in the bin, I didn't think that there was that much of a difference in terms of play because we were down by a man and and down uh, by Cam, who is you know at least I think one of our best players. And so I didn't really see a huge difference in
1: play. We did something that I haven't seen from the Eagles. And that is raise our level when we have a man in the bin. Um, Very few teams are actually able to do this at the international level. And it it says a lot about the mental preparation, uh, you know, that they went to Um, Victor, you, you have a lot of, uh, observations about
4: this. Yeah, guys. Uh, well, first of all, another USA victory is definitely welcome, especially over Canada, keeping that um, that winning streak alive. I hope it stays there for a few years to come. Although, of course, I want Canada to sort of get over it and get a little better because, seriously, they're in complete disarray. Uh, but oh uh, well. Now, it, it felt, first of all, very, very one sided, though, of, of course, at the beginning of the match, By minute seventeen, there were already two tries. Uh, So it was 14-0. Then later on in the match, 10-15 minutes after that, uh, Canada got a little bit of tempo. But then after that in the second half, as you guys probably remember, just died down. Now uh, of course this is a Canadian side that's still trying to recover from losing in America's two-spot opportunity for the 2019 Rugby World Cup. Uh, so, obviously, you, I was not expecting them to be there in the match. Like, for example, when we played them in Canada uh, for the Americas uh, 1 spot where we tied, and then we won when we played in San Diego. Now, I was really glad to see that Dan uh Josh Whippy, and Will Holy made their capped uh, appearances for the Eagles squad. So, we got them down, of course. Uh, so good to see, of course, player depth on almost every position. Uh, although I think we need more props, especially tie heads. Uh, I feel that if something happens, like say uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Um what's this, this was the name the played just now on, on tie head? That guy. Okay. Something happens to him. Dino, D- Waldron. Dino Waldron. Thank you, Dino Waldron. I don't know why, I don't know why I was thinking Team Mopping. Obviously, it wasn't Team Mopping who was playing. But yeah, if something <laughs> happens again, I, I know, right? I don't know why I was thinking Team Mopping <laughs> in the game, I don't know why. Don't ask me why. Oh, but Dino Waldron. If something happens to Dino Waldron, that's it. If, uh, for example, if something happens to Chris Bowman, that's it. And we don't. That again feels like we don't have that many tie heads. So definitely need to get a couple more. In, in at least in my opinion. Now, I agree with the sentiment regarding the, the mm-hmm. yellow card that uh, Cam Dolan got um, because of that tip tackle. Um, it wasn't fair that he was the only one that went to to, to the bin and not Nick Blevins. But you know what? Whatever. It, it, it happened. Uh, of course, love that uh, try by Hanco Hemersheis uh, after the game he had against Sergeant Gina. It was definitely well-deserved. Now, if things go well with Uruguay, my my opinion is that the Trophy Stays with USA for year two, which is great. And now let me pass out the word real quick to, to Josh who wants to mention something.
5: Yeah, just a quick touch for the people who actually care. Uh, the World Rugby Rankings came out and had Uruguay and USA tied, which you would think that the USA would still be a little bit ahead, even though both teams won. But, <laughs> but because of the um, home field three point advantage that world rugby gives uh Uruguay's away win against Brazil got them more points than USA's home win against Canada so Uruguay got 0.36 points but USA only got 0.5 or 0.05 excuse me and a lot of us don't see that as a good thing
1: so so it was explained to me today and I don't agree with it so get this: if you're the home team, you get a three point three points in the rankings. Not like three points on the spread in Vegas, but three points in the rankings. You're the home team; they give you three more points, so you're handicapped um, by that. So if the only way to like gain ranking points is if you're less than ten points uh, difference between the person, the team you're playing. And I just think about it. It's like we're playing a higher-ranked opponent. And, yes, we're at home, but we beat them. The Our score differential was greater. We shouldn't be tied in the rankings with Uduay. Like, come on.
2: Or at this so. point. One thing on that, too, is that I think a USA won't gain anything in terms of rankings from beating Chile. No. No, uh, oh, Brazil. No matter how much – matter well, how much the score, but they, yeah, or Brazil, um, but they can lose points if they lose to them. Um, and <clears throat> it's actually um C. B., I'm sorry, CB Schmelter, um, who does tweet a lot about American rugby. He has a nice thread, so if anyone's actually interested, we can share that. Or no, I think we actually did share that before. Um, yeah, we did that's, it today. That's definitely something that really explains this um, better than we ever could, and we'd just be reading off the tweet by itself so i don't think people want to hear that our voices that much um but that's definitely something that we'll uh we'll tag again and and paul tate from uh america's rugby news is apparently the the go-to world rugby rankings guy for them and he seems to somehow understand the system and how it works and how everyone's ranked
1: um he was just kind of like meh
2: yeah (laughs)
1: like it (laughs) happens
2: yeah (laughs) It's just how it is but yeah but all in all i mean this uh <clears throat> this A R C has been been pretty good so far um i've been pretty happy i've loved especially the um the fight i've been seeing in a lot of players like uh victor you mentioned the Hammer um try i think mm-hmm. his actual name is pronounced like hammershice but i like hammershice Hammer um Hemish. That's how you say it. I'm going to
4: speak Afrikaans, but that's how you're saying Afrikaans. Hem- Hemish, Christ.
1: Hemish the, like Christ. The uh, Hemishwees was the uh, Uruguayan guys during the APC. Oh my god,
5: yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so stupid.
1: Gimashish or something. But um, I, I
2: love the fight in them. Like when he he got hit. And, I mean, obviously the Canadian player didn't actually wrap him up well enough, but he just pushes him off, pushes him off, run, run, and then, you know, throws down for the try. But the MLR player specifically, like Ryan Mathias, his try was wonderful. I've watched that on loop many, many times. Um, Mikey Tao did still do a great job. He wasn't as noticeable, I think, as the first one. Um, Cam Dolan, obviously – was noticed even outside of the yellow card. He's just been great. So I'm, I'm really excited from what I'm seeing specifically from the MLR players and not just the overseas pros um, that come by for a couple matches. So I'd love to see what happens in the next couple matches with these guys.
1: Moving on uh, to picking against Chile. Um, so I've confirmed, guys, that uh, Andrew Tala, Will Hooley, and Joe Tafate – uh, have been recalled. They landed at Heathrow this morning, uh, so I expect uh, TD Lamostelli, Dino Waldron, uh, Blaine Scully, and Nick Chavetta uh, to have been recalled as well. Although I can't confirm that based on social media, uh, but even even with that, I think our front row, tro- row choices will be enough for Chile, and you know we have plenty of backline depth here. Uh, the leadership options right away. Uh, that come out to mind are James Hildebrand, who is captain the side, and also Nate Augsburger, who has captain the side previously. but uh you know I, I don't expect this to be close in fact, I think our scoreline you know is going to be similar to uh, what Argentina put on them
3: yeah, right, I'm excited I'm excited for this match because it's I mean you got Patrick Ryan Angus McClellan, Hulu holo Mangaloa which I think I nailed that name. I hope You're so. Late. You're late. You're late. You're oh, Great. All right. All right. And then uh, Tony Popora uh, in the front row. So I think it'll be good to see um, those guys get some reps. We haven't seen Tony yet. Um, guys that have Matt Jensen and Brandon Day. Um, be interesting to see if those guys get a run in there at the lock. Uh, if Savetta's gone. Also, Nate Brakely. Um, not sure if he's back in New York. But this definitely, and not, and not taking anything against the Chileans, but I mean, this is definitely a match to where these younger guys, if we want to get a look at them, that this is the great, this is probably our best opportunity right now, I, I would say, to uh, get a look at these guys. And I mean, you know, you said the front row, we have no problem in the front row. It's like, I, I don't think so at all. And then, especially if we got Dylan Fawcett coming into I forgot all about him. You know, the butcher is a beast out of all blue. Is so it, if he's.
1: Did someone say he was playing loose forward?
3: He could play anywhere, man. He was at Old Blue. He was playing. He could play front row. He was playing eight. He was playing. I mean, you could have him play center, not at the international level. But, I mean, the the guy is. I mean, he moves. He's a beast. And, uh, you know, he's one of those guys from life. It's actually funny how he went to Old Blue. He came to Old Blue, um, played against Life. Life lost to Old Blue, and it was on their Hall of Fame dinner night. Uh, And then shortly after that, Went out, enjoyed the night of Old Blue, saw what an Old Blue dinner is, and then uh, ended up going to that club and playing with them. Um, That's you get players. That's the proper way to get players to join your team. Yeah, if you go to that, their Old Blue dinner, they invited me last year. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, no, exciting opportunity for Coach Gary Gold to get a look at some of these young players and see if they're ready to step up to the international stage.
4: Cool. I guess I'll jump in on that, guys. So... Uh, Aaron already mentioned about the European-based players he- uh, returning home. So, obviously, it's time for the MLR time players uh, to step up, of course, against, uh, against Los Cóndores uh, of Chile. Uh, players like like Chance, uh, Wemwinski, I believe he's pronounced in Polish, um, Peter Malcolm, of course, the butcher, Dylan Fawcett, who, if you're not paying attention, guys, I'm wearing Ohio Aviators jersey, just to play for the Aviators, of course. Need to represent I that, to may, may may the soul rest in peace. Yeah, I still miss the fortress. Um, Matt Jensen, of course we mentioned already. Uh, Alan Shimmer, uh, Son Walshin, Deborah Ferris, Ruben De Haas. Uh, I cannot wait for us to cap that kid and get him over here. I mean, I'm mean, i glad he's in the Shita's Academy, but I rather they're having here in the States. Of course, Benjamin Sima, uh, Paul Asique, and this new guy that I want. I really want to see this um, Penny Tajibe. Tajibe, how really? That's how you not pronounce Scottish. it? Not tagife? Really? Okay, well Tagif. It's not... Sounds sounds weird. Oh, I know. are you it's... sure that's how you pronounce it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know what, Aaron? I, I, I you know, you're my commander, so I am gonna go with you, but I don't I don't know I'm...
1: <laughs> I mean I'll look it up and I'll eat it on Twitter tomorrow, but please. I mean please it's, do it's it. not like Spanish, like it's
4: Tagi, yeah, because you know? because hey, he's uh, he's um he's, he's Fijian, so I thought you know yeah. going to, and you know those those are phonetic last names, like in Spanish. Right? I thought it was going to be Tagive or something like that. But okay, whatever. You let me know if that's the correct it's pronunciation. Obvious. I hope he, Penny doesn't listen to this and he said, "Oh wow, this guy's having like a two minute conversation about my last name You <laughs> had to pronounce it." <laughs> but yeah, but in any case. All these guys I just mentioned can definitely come and replace those that left the squad and obviously gain some uh, test experience against Chile, uh, of course, for these newcomers. Uh, so Chilean squad is right now. Uh, I agree with you, Aaron. We're definitely going to put a score similar to what Argentina 15 did to them on the, over the weekend. I think it was 57-14. So I'm pretty sure we could get something along those lines. So Dan, let me yeah. pass the word to you. <clears throat>
2: Yeah, even just just going off of what you guys both just said, it's it's great to have the overseas pros from Europe, but honestly, at this point, uh, for Chile and Brazil, we don't need them. You know, knock on wood. I can't find wood. Um, Yeah, knock on wood somewhere. Um, We don't need them. Um, Uruguay, I don't think we will need them either because their European pros will also be going back. But honestly, I mean... I want to get as many people in as possible so that Gary Gold can see as many different matchups and setups and everything like that. Um also some players like Peter Malcolm, um, who hasn't even been on the roster for the past two matches, um, I think he's a great hooker and he's a great he's a great captain for the APC. Um I loved watching him out there. He really controlled the team a bit, but um obviously if you have Josephate who's playing for the Warriors, he's gonna get the uh the nod before you um so really i i want to see any kind of combination there is you know really get crazy basically with this maybe even put sean davies in first who knows we'll see something like that but it's really just it's kind of like a developmental part at this point um and that's the whole part that's the whole point of the the competition it's developmental you know not like the apc but um you can mix up some matches and you know develop these players on the international level.
1: I'm gonna eat this um because I said I would. How you pronounce Penny's last name is Ta Give. So it's like a hard first first syllable. And it's on the his Baylor Bears football profile. Um so there you go. So ta give it. <laughs> yeah there you go. Um Ta Give it. Yeah. Uh Yeah, moving on, uh, let's talk about Seattle. Um, This story got wild pretty darn fast.
4: Damn.
5: Mm.
2: What?
4: What? This this is your side.
2: Go ahead. That's your part. Didn't get get wild? No, it it got wild. It's basically the um, – so Seattle Sea Wolves were supposed to go to Vancouver Island – Victor finds that funny. Um, they were supposed to go to Vancouver Island to play against. Um, I think it was like a select side. That, I forget the name of the the club. It's um,
1: uh, it was both. I don't know what the the name is, but it was two. Basically, the two select sides because the the island has two select sides combined. So
2: ultra yeah. mega select sides, yeah. basically.
1: Yeah,
2: um, which would have been awesome uh, playing against some other players that. Um, I don't think we've really seen yet from Vancouver Island. And a lot of those players will probably be, um, you know, choice for uh, the Vancouver side or the the British Columbia side coming up. Um, But then the match got canceled because of stuff. Um, I think it had a lot to do. At first we thought it was insurance and then we heard it was visas and then um, they didn't get it approved by uh, canadian rugby or usa rugby or something like that but um it went from just a simple nice little exhibition friendly to they just didn't get all these things done that had to be done apparently i, I didn't read too much into it but that's what it sounded like
4: but yeah it was regarding that the whole visa issue with some of their players which you would assume that would have resolved that a while ago, but apparently it was a government thing. So obviously it was out of their hands, but Nicholas would say, guys, obviously, I'm saddened that we're not going to have this match. Hopefully it will be able to, some rescheduling can happen and we can get it in the future. But of course it was out of the, the, the team's hands because again, it was something related to immigration and obviously that's government controlled. So, there was nothing really they could do. Aaron. So uh,
1: you know, the low the low-hanging fruit of this one is uh supposedly they were gonna travel by ferry, and the match was scheduled for seven, and the last ferry out of uh Victoria is at nine. Uh so but I did look uh if the Visa stuff had been taken care of, they could fly back because the there's a flight out at, like, 10 p.m. from Victoria to SeaTac. So, yeah. So, it wasn't just, you know, it, it, it was all messed up.
3: I think if you're going to have this problem, right, like, this is the time to figure it out before you have an official, you know, MLR team in Canada, right? So, you figure out these issues right now. You're coming across the border. You got visa issues. You got, you know, the sanctioning, right, between, like, Canada and, you know, USA Rugby what's that look like? So unfortunate for the fans, but I mean, at least it's not like in crunch time, right? Like, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, how damaging is this to the Seattle franchise for it to happen right now? You know, just trying to play devil's advocate, trying to find some silver lining in here, guys. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we, we can joke
2: about it and say like, oh, they didn't even, you know, get these things done. So it's, you know, a circus, but that's not, it's, it's an exhibition. It's, it's, not really that big of a deal it sucks that it's not happening or I mean, it sucks that it didn't happen but you know so it well, goes
1: i mean in the grand scheme it's it's not that big of a deal but you know i guess you know vancouver folks are kind of mad because they put a lot of effort into getting you know especially the uh the guys from the north end of the island down to practice uh because vancouver island's pretty freaking big so, uh, you know, they're they're kind of perturbed, but uh, they really want to see, you know, MLR take off so that, you know, guys can, you know, Canadians can play.
3: And I mean, th- these are the two teams that are essentially going to be owned by the same company, right?
1: Uh, I think it's so majority ownership with Adrian Balfour in the Seawolves. And then Carl Harrison is an investor. He owns North star Academy and he become, he will be the majority owner of the Vancouver franchise. And Adrian Balfour is going to be an investor in that franchise. So like sort of, order. so sort of, you know, do you, think
2: that, do you think eventually they'll either sell their shares or even just give it to the other owner and be like, Hey, tradesies. And
1: just yeah. I, I able think it'll be, uh, you know, uh, like whatever the percentages of each, they'll make it handshake, exchange the pieces of paper, and you know the the, the intent is right honest. now it's an MLR and it's an MLS hybrid,
4: mm-hmm. so
1: that uh, an entity can own multiple teams. Based on you know every person I've spoken with about uh, the model that they're running is that it could happen. Should it? Is it necessary? I don't know. Um. Guys, I think we'll move on to player signings. So who who joined clubs this week, Dan?
2: Well, we've got some uh, official signings and then some signings that we think are official. Um, so I guess we'll start with the semi-official one. Um, the Chicago Lions actually tweeted out um, about Angus McClellan, um, that he signed with the Utah Warriors. Um, however, I think Aaron, you confirmed that he didn't sign with them, at least for the time being. Is that true?
1: So, so oh, man. Uh, Angus McClellan. So I, I asked Utah last week. They said no. I asked Utah later in the week when the roster came out. They said no. Um, so, but apparently USA Rugby was relatively emphatic when they, whoever it is, spoke to Brian Ray. And, you know, Brian Ray then, uh, you know, wrote an article about it.
2: Yeah. So two sources that weren't the Warriors confirmed that he's playing for the Warriors. Um, One being USA Rugby, the other being um, his club that he's currently playing for. So I'm gonna say he's playing for the Warriors. I'm not gonna, you know, worry about that. Um, So that's how we got for uh, the Warriors. But Victor, what you got? Some uh, a Seattle SeaWolves signing, Um, actually a. you know, pretty good signing for the SeaWolves.
4: That's exactly right, Dan. Well, the SeaWolves sign a tiehead prop, and funny, I was talking about tiehead props some, some time ago. Tim Metcher, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name, uh, f- coming from the Melbourne Rebels, which is a team in Super Rugby and uh, down in Australia, for those of you that may not follow, which I'll be surprised if you don't, but yeah. Uh, you never know. We may have new audience members just getting into the game. Now he played for the Australian Schools Rugby Championship, uh, Championship. Excuse me. Uh, representing a captain, the New South Wales team. He was also part of the U20 Wallabies team uh, for the 2011 World Rugby U20 Championship. Two years later, in 2013, he was part of the combined New South Wales-Queensland country team against the British and Irish Lions tour down in Australia, and then he signed for the Rebels in 2015. With that, the team now coming to the Pacific Northwest corner of the United States, playing for Seattle Sea Wolves. So congratulations to Tim for becoming a Sea Wolf. Okay.
1: So, yeah, it's kind of slowed down on on player signings. we sort of seen some people, which we'll talk about later in the show. Um, but, Dan, the tweet of the week, this is actually pretty dope. I did yeah. not see this today.
2: Yeah, I didn't see this. This is a last-minute edition because we just came across this. So it's a bit interesting because it's a reply to another one. Um, it's a, a tweet within a tweet within another tweet, basically. So um, someone tweeted a um, NHL hockey team. Austin has no major pro teams. Look at the success national had blah, blah, blah. And then Tim Ferriss, who is, I didn't actually know who Tim Ferriss was, but for anyone who cares, he's author of five, number one, New York times slash wall street journals, bestsellers. He's an investor in Facebook and Twitter and Uber and stuff like that. He's a host of the Tim Ferriss show podcast. All this really means nothing to me, but he has about 1.5 million followers. Um, He's he's ve- uh,
1: Ferris yeah. is a very smart dude. Like I've, it's I don't perfect. listen to his podcast normally, but I've listened to podcasts he's been on. He's been on the Joe Rogan and Jocko podcast. He is incredibly intelligent, and he's a he's a venture capitalist. Uh, I would say on the daily, but he writes crazy awesome business books as well.
2: Well, there you go. So Aaron says he's smart, so he's smart. Um, so. Tim retweets that and says, interesting idea. NHL might be tough, but anyone have thoughts on creating major pro teams slash franchises in or around Austin? And we have um, Twitter user Delish. His uh, handle is at (laughs) BigDelish32. I believe Austin is going to have one of America's first professional rugby teams in Major League Rugby starting soon. At USMLR, hashtag AustinRugby, at Rugby hashtag# Six Nations NBC, which is not MLR, but it's obviously rugby related, but it's just a nice little tweet seeing someone that you know is aware of the team coming out, and you know it's good to see more people talking about it online and um, this Tim Ferriss guy did not actually retweet that, so that would be awesome because that's one and a half million people who could see that but um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah very happy with just seeing more people talking about this and not just the typical people we see on the, uh, on the subreddit all the time that we happen to follow too.
1: Yep. That was our tweet Uh, of the week. week. Moving forward to, uh, news views and abuse. There's apparently a lot of abuse today. Um, so news Houston stadium deal, uh, $3.2 million in reimbursement for the, uh, or the use, I guess, or renting of, or long-term lease of the the parking, parking lot of the Houston Stadium.
3: How much does that parking lot cost?
1: Um, it three point well, three, 3. Million, million, obviously,
3: right? Like uh, it, it
1: yeah. depends, man. So, d- are you talking light duty, medium duty, heavy duty? Because six heavy t- duty, heavy duty is six feet of asphalt, man.
3: Well, I'm talking three point two million dollars of it, right? Like if the city's throwing up three point two million dollars, how like so (laughs) say it costs you a million dollars to to say it costs you a million dollars to pave a parking lot and put that up. Does the other two point two million dollars can that now be used to help fund and build a stadium? Or how is that money being allocated?
1: So the it's a reimbursement from a quality of life bond back in twenty twelve And this will – I guess it's paid out over payments, but first thing that has to happen is Houston has to spend the money. I mean, Houston Sabercats. So they will spend the money up front, and then they will be repaid $3.2 million. The deal also gets, uh, you know, Houston – the city of Houston full access and, I guess, relative control for non-rugby events to the stadium. Um, So – I mean, Josh had something to say here. It sort of sounded weird, but you'll probably explain it a little bit to me.
5: Well, as far as I could tell from reading that article, it seemed like that parking lot was going to be built no matter what.
1: Yeah. And so so the parking lot was going to be built, the Houston Sports Park, which is adjacent to um, the Sabercats property on Mowry Road. They were going to build – they were going to develop another piece of land for the parking lot. So, you know.
2: Yeah, from looking at the – I looked at some pictures of the Houston Houston Sports Complex or park or whatever it's called, and there are a lot of fields. And if you get, like, especially the changing from, like, the end of an hour when you have parents who are all leaving and parents who are all coming, they're going to take up a ton of parking spots. So they needed parking spaces to – Bring Johnny to soccer
3: practice, but hopefully not rugby practice.
2: Um, yeah, and
3: Houston's definitely. I mean, you don't have the T running all the way out there uh, to where they're doing it, right? So that's a it's a heavy commuter based you know community that's going to be driving big four door trucks. <laughs> so you need a big parking lot for all the cowboy Cadillacs out there in Texas. But now that's awesome, man. That they're able to that they're getting that uh, that these M L R teams are getting legitimate stadiums that are going to be used for rugby not baseball stadiums converted for rugby which is awesome right now but i mean this is i think this is great news for rugby all around right like i mean and credit to to glendale for setting setting the standard right and and paving the way yeah and then the thing with the stadiums too is that they can be used for other
2: purposes i mean glendale because it's a rugby specific one Obviously, they're, they're, they're Rugby Town. That's their thing. So they host lots of rugby tournaments. They host the college. Uh, right now, they host the NSCRO, um, Rugby Town 7s, a ton of other 7s things, everything like that. Um, but maybe this Houston one, they'll host, um, I don't know, like the Dynamo um, minor league team. Or I think there's actually a, a new women's soccer team, the Houston Dash or something like that. So, I mean, they could do something like that and just rent it out. Um, I know with um, – at least speaking from the New York team, they're going to build one up in the Yonkers area. And I mean, just the amount of money you can get from renting out field space in New York is just incredible. And if it's an actual stadium, you can get like, you know, high school football or, or college football if for some reason there's no space. I don't know what it is, but you can at least put something on and,
3: and that will always be taken if you want it to be. Well, I mean, that's like one of the biggest uh, problems here in the Northeast and actually hosting a professional team. I know Pro, they had a problem. We're talking about like, you know, rugby being played in Hartford before the show started. That was like option C was Dillon Stadium, you know, looking at heart at all the way out here. There is nothing in the Northeast, you know, that really is a small to medium. And throughout the U.S. really, right? Like we built these huge cathedrals of sport and we've left out these three to five thousand seated stadiums and you know there now it's turning 2018 it's like the hipster stadiums are in right like i mean it's like the small like craft micro brews and all that kind of stuff that's like that feel like i think it's it's pretty cool you know and i mean that's what we need realistically like if you're looking to get more than six i mean you look at the attendance at the arc match man we didn't even talk about that tonight i mean it was it was i saw some of the pictures man and it was appalling you know it was very unfortunate but um you know, more small stadiums, make more yeah. money, New York, do it. <laughs> make small stadiums, great again.
1: So um, mo- moving on, just to touch on um, Seawolves, partnered with uh, Three Point Productions. You know, everyone's seen what Glendale has previously done with their events. Everyone's looking to see what, what the Cats are doing. So, uh, you know, fan engagement, fan activation, fan experience is a big thing with MLR. So nice, nice to see that. Um, Then we've got uh, Ram Rugby uh, signed a deal with MLR for uh, six teams will receive uh, Ram Rugby custom balls for matches. And then all seven teams are included in a separate equipment deal. Last week, I was on with Ken Hagerstrom, Ram Rugby USA CEO. Uh, You know, uh, it was really informative. Really great to hear about why Ram Rugby has come to the U.S., so check out the uh, interview we had with him. Um, Then we have the USA Rugby news came out. Uh, There's going to be a summer test in Denver and a summer test in Houston. Uh, There is a game in Glendale that weekend, so Josh is going to go early to the Glendale game. And then skedaddle to uh, Dick Sporting Goods Park to cover both for us, um, if he's not on vacation. Hopefully he's not, uh, or hopefully, he, hopefully he uh, reschedules that vacation shortly. Um, that,
2: that day actually, um, that game is SaberCats at Glendale. Um, so, at least as far as I'm concerned, the most the teams that have made the most noise in terms of professionalism so far. So that's going to be a uh, a really exciting one. So What's I don't know that what date?
3: Uh, time June, June second. Is that like the first weekend in June? June 9th, I think. I only asked because like club clubs, uh, I think finals is like finishing up for uh, around that time too, and they're hosting. <laughs> yeah. Are they Are they putting them on the same date? Because that would make sense. So there's
1: a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on that weekend. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to rugby, it's kind of strange. And I sent a note to, uh, the the youth people to ask about that. Uh, cause the USA rugby is hosting the, I guess, region West youth, uh, regional tournament thing, RCT. I don't know what the C stands for, but, um, Championship. And I, was, I was like, so is this going to be a festival atmosphere at, you know, Dick's sporting goods park. And then I asked, I also asked uh, Glendale if USA Rugby had approached them about a doubleheader, and they're like, "Yeah, we know about it." You know,
2: doubleheader would be I awesome. But I, I, I've been spreading the rumor that there will possibly be a potential doubleheader, but I don't think it's going to actually happen. I just like stirring shit up.
3: But a, you- The facility at Dix is like awesome. I was out there two years ago for when they had Club 7s out there during the summer. I mean, they've got fields as far as you can see. So, I mean, you, what we got to do is we have to put as many rugby players in a, a test match area as possible. And so if we were to run a series of tournaments in, in national, national championships and these RCTs in conjunction with a test match and an MLR game and you put all those rugby players there – that's 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 the only way that we're actually going to grow the game right now. You get put everybody in the same spot. That and doesn't make too plan, much sense.
2: And if you plan everything together, because they announced the RCTs two days before they announced the test match. So they may have been put together, but the MLR I don't think was really planned together for the most part. You need to be able to plan something where like, oh, if you buy um, a Raptors ticket, um, which actually, every ticket you buy, if you put in like a club thing, yeah. would be twenty percent. It's actually another top. Ten percent
1: goes to your club. Ten percent goes to Rugby Colorado to support yeah. youth rugby. So that's really awesome. You know, I it it could have been some crazy awesome like week long festival where, you know, you go to an ML, you have youth rugby all week, you go to an MLR game, and then you go to a test. But right now, I'm sort of wondering what's going on with the planning per per process. It'd
2: it'd also be awesome because they've definitely made Denver area as like the rugby town set up for tournaments like this. And it's, it's the home for the most part of, um, of these, uh, of USA rugby. I'm sorry. I forgot what the name was. Um, So that's where we should be really, you know, hosting all these tournaments, hosting these test matches bringing everyone it is central for the most part in the US that everyone can come to you know host these and then really just do a um you know slam people in the face with rugby basically make sure every I mean, single person to, in the entire city knows it
1: not to beat this drum but you know Josh mentioned it in the in our you know in our email prep over the week you know the last two matches in the Denver area which were at Rugby Town and infinity park sold out georgia and canada and then previous to that you had really good attendance for the churchill cup which to be honest i don't know how you get good attendance for that but they had good attendance for it so i don't like we haven't been back to glendale in six years
2: we bring back the small stadiums we were just talking about that two seconds ago i bring think the problem
3: i think the problem with glendale though is that you you have that uh concrete ledge seating right like if you're going to hold an international match like it's you expect uh, an actual seat to sit in, um, but that being said, I didn't like, have an
1: actual seat in San Diego. It was a bench.
3: That that, that's, that is true. That is true. Yeah, that I guess I people. guess you're right. But there are a couple chairs. But no, I think Glendale is great. I love the laws in Colorado, so I mean it's like a great place to host all the good stuff out there, and and it's very
1: fun. <laughs> Byob.
3: Yeah. Hmm. Depends what B is. Yeah. Yeah. It was- <laughs>
2: yeah but you know those it's that's just a great place to really put something on and i would love to see infinity park host a test match because like we were saying you know sacramento had like 1500 people it's ten thousand. Ten thousand is not too big so there's a decent size stadium which if we can get like a sacramento based team that'd be an awesome mlr stadium but i'm going off a tangent but like Infinity Park, if you can fill that up and it's right in the middle of the town or city, I don't know exactly what it is, um, just the atmosphere would be incredible. And then you can go to a local bar nearby, and then everyone in the area is like, what's going on? Why are there like 5,000 people walking through the town, you know, celebrating about USA rugby?
3: So. Yeah, because the problem—the problem with it—if you got Dick's Sporting Goods, it's like way out in Commerce City, so it's like way out on the outskirts, like the industrial area part of Denver. Um, Glendale is close to; it's more of a city atmosphere. And you know, Glendale—I mean, if you want to, probably the most interesting man in rugby is Mister Mike Donovan. Like, and and like, and Glendale—Glendale Glendale is an interesting, interesting story. That was that a little municipality.
2: was there was a—wasn't that a rugby wrap-up video? With Mike Dunfin,
1: yeah, and they called yes. him the yes.
2: interesting mayor
3: or something like that. And that was that was that was a a, a very yes yes. I'll just leave yeah. it at that. Yeah, that was very like tame, but uh, it was it was it was yeah pretty hilarious. Yeah, to go back and watch that, I didn't for some reason,
2: but I'll definitely give it a look if you say so.
1: So, moving on, uh, just a quick. Note on the PRP, uh, there was a bunch of Legion players that suited up for on back, so I sort of wonder uh, what the PRP is going to look like uh, late uh, in the season when you know MLR season is in full gear. Um, so, but you know, questions from Bob Corey. Where are you? Where are you, man? Where, where, where is he? Corey.
2: Where are you?
0: He's coming. Oh, he's coming. Whoa. Just,
2: whoa. Uh,
0: no, seriously, like snowboarding's on, so forget <laughs> rugby. I'm going full on Winter Olympics. It's, it's what's wrong with I'm curling?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, that was earlier. Which actually, I watched the final. Uh, maybe not the final, but when there was only one game going on and everyone's watching, that's actually pretty exciting. Yeah, I was I was having a fun time watching that.
1: I've lost fun. my girlfriend to the uh, Winter Olympics, so yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's pretty much all I did this weekend. Like, Mm. that and
2: shovel snow was my weekend. And if you live in the San Diego area and you're watching the Olympics, there's a good chance you'll see a San Diego Legion commercial pop up. Which is fun. Which is awesome. We don't.
0: Okay, guys. Yeah, we've got some questions. Actually, uh, so everybody, you really stepped up this week. Uh, We were complaining last week about there not being enough questions. So uh, this time we are just flush with them. So starting us right off, SJ Rugby asks a three-part question. So I think we'll just go through this piece by piece. We know about NYC, British Columbia, Toronto are mostly in for sure next year. Uh, What other locations are most likely uh, a for sure bet in 2019? So where are we going to have expansion Um. teams? We've talked
1: for about sure this so bet. many times. For sure, bet. For sure, bet. Uh, at this point, I don't. Those are the three for sure bets. There, I know that well, Dallas. They're
2: The loudest about joining, they say they're they're going to join 2019 and they're hosting combines, but you know, we don't know. They haven't. We haven't confirmed that they actually are in, just so they want to join.
1: Um, and then supposedly Casey and Chicago also still have a seat at the table, but you know, I got.
2: Yeah, Kansas, got nothing I mean, on that a while ago Kansas City said in response to someone on Facebook, but yeah. it was it was such an off comment that it's not really It's like twenty
1: nineteen, we're coming.
2: Yeah. Boston's still a possibility.
1: I think Boston's Boston is possible. a twenty twenty for sure. That's what I think.
2: Yeah. Unless something just pops up out of nowhere. Or if they see the uh, the other thing that could happen is that a lot of places can see the first season and just see how successful it is and get their shit together and move it and push it to be 2019
1: the issue we run into with you know saying let's have another let's have more let's have more we don't have the player pool to really sustain a high level of competition like we want i think Mm -hmm. the intent is to create have parity and have a good product on the pitch otherwise people don't want to aren't going to want to watch because to be honest, I'm one of those guys that says, I mean, Ryan and I have this conversation all the time. Um, I, I personally don't want to pay to watch amateur rugby. Yeah. I don't. I'll want to. i go, I'll buy a shirt, I'll buy a burger, but I won't pay admission. That's just me. You, monetize in, other, you monetize in other ways.
2: I'd probably go for the first season expecting it to, to get more professional in the following seasons. And maybe, hey, I'm supporting it, so I'm yes. supporting the professionalism in the future. But if it's still like that for a while, which it very well may be if there are too many teams taking up these uh, uh, players, because they can only have so many players from overseas, one, because they have a cap, and two, because it's expensive to actually bring in players from overseas for multiple reasons. Um, They have to turn to Americans, and we've hit a lot of good players, but we're going to hit a point soon where it might be tougher.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think our, our talent pool is pretty is pretty spread spread thin right now. And if you look at it in like teams like New York, for instance, you got four guys that are old blue guys through and through, and now they're out in San Diego, right? Like so, right there, you've already taken four of those guys out there. You still got Nyack, and I mean, you still got a lot of good players like at all levels, right? Like you got D three players that can step up and play, but then we are very thin on that next level. All pun intended, type of players. That are gonna be playing on like the national team, and and if we do have, and to your point, Aaron, right? Like if we have too many teams and we spread it way too thin, what is that product on the field gonna look like? And I mean, that's what you know a lot of people are talking about. That's you know what the the people that I trust and their opinions really are saying. You know, like hey, we we got to take it slow, gradual pace. It'd be nice to have thirty teams, but we don't have the player pool right now to do it. Oh, no, I didn't
2: I cut you off in your conclusion,
1: whatever so, No, you there's were saving me I was stone. I was trying to get out of it. That, <laughs> like, there's someone. a question that Corey has that goes into this.
0: Well, I actually was going to make one quick point, though, on that, uh, what you're just discussing.
2: No. You ask the questions. You don't make the points. Mm-hmm. Great <laughs> <laughs> uh, So, no, actually – what.
0: I th- I was kind of thinking of the discussion you guys were having earlier about Chicago, though. Um, you know, here was basically a Chicago United team that came down to Houston, uh, the best players in the third largest city in the country, and I mean they just got trounced. Uh, so that says to me that this is an elite level uh, team as far as club rugby goes. I mean, this is the best of one of the best club rugby teams in the country. It is so far away from being professional. And I yeah, think.
1: But to, to go with that, there's a massive difference between what Sabercats are doing and what the top level clubs they're playing are doing. Sabercats are practicing like 20, 25 hours a week before they hit match day. And, you know, they're still, even though Chicago's a select side, they're still, you know, on a club or club plus level schedule.
2: The other thing, too, that that's actually really important to keep in mind is that uh, if you do create too many teams and you basically have to take all the D1 players, then you're going to start pissing off clubs because, like, Minnesota, for instance, lost a lot, but they say that they're happy to have their players go on somewhere else because it's a selling point, and that's great. But then if you get to the point where, okay, all the PRP, all the players in the PRP are basically taken, then that diminishes that competition. It diminishes that you know, group of D1 club rugby, especially in a place like California, and then a lot of the people who are from there are not going to be happy that you're essentially, you know, taking all the players from a club if you expand too quickly. You know, if you get to 15, 16 teams in, you know, two years, then you're just going to devastate some places.
0: So related to that, uh, the second part of that question is, is there... um how many clubs is too many clubs uh, when it comes so, to MLR? Should we be worried about MLR expanding too quickly? And uh, specifically references uh, problems MLS had with, uh, during its expansion. I'm assuming of teams yep. going out of business yep. shortly after starting.
1: Yep. So I mean, uh, we we've this subject has come up on our show, so I think twice before. Uh, you know, the only thing that I would say that ever came out of Doug Schoeninger's mouth that he that I respected was the research he did. Uh, when it came to max saturation. So leagues achieve their peak in this country at max saturation of 30 to 32 teams. And that's when you know the league is very profitable, but we, we can't expand to 32 teams next week. You we can't expand to within even five years. Um, 30 I think 30, 32 is your your peak to 20, 25 years down the line.
5: Yeah,
2: I think also um, in short term, probably low teens, maybe 12 to 15. Um, I really think that after maybe the second or third year, take a full break where just absolutely no new teams, let at least one year go by with the current teams, see how things are going, and then create more of um, a selections process rather than just anyone who's actually – you know, able to put up the money in some of these areas because, for the most part, if they're able to put up the money, then there's going to be a club or at least a, a team in that location right now. Let's
3: I think what's going to be interesting to see with these MLR teams is how they set up their academy systems and how they either augment or cannibalize the actual club structures that are around them. Right? Because I mean, if you look at all the all like the European clubs there's a, a pathway, right? And we use the word pathway, I think a little bit too much, but there is a, a way for you to get up and play professional rugby. Now that MLR is starting to come out and they're doing that, right? you look at like Houston, they're holding combines for high school kids already, right? They got a kid, Karen Farmer, straight out of high school that's playing with them. That's good. But it's like, I guess I don't know where I'm going here. I'm just saying that I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that, how that goes about and what youth rugby looks like in 10 to 15 years from now in high school, rugby looks like and if that is an actual feeder program and part of a community outreach program from these MLR teams. And if they do that, I think it's going to you know, really take off and change the game there in America.
5: Josh? I, I guess in relation to Ryan's comment, do we go to tiers and go promotion and regulation? Um, promotion, no. Really, no. Promotion and regulation.
1: Promotion and regulation, no. Um, minor, minor league? And academy system, like we're you know academy teams, yeah. Because I I think what we're seeing overseas is that um, with rugby, because you know it's not soccer, um, you know the moment like the people that are fighting to try and get into the Premiership are going bankrupt as soon as they get there, right? Um, whereas a closed shop league allows you to build equity every year um, in your team. That's why, you know, the Dallas Cowboys are worth $3 billion. That's why, you know, the, the Clippers went for $2 billion. Um, Billions. Whereas the London Irish are currently on the block for $3.5 so hey guys, you you want to you want to go buy the Irish? We I think we go. could I think we could cobble it together.
0: Yep, just throw our pennies in.
5: Yeah, I got twenty bucks.
3: <laughs> I could probably scrape together at least ten. <laughs> I mean, I run a multi-dollar company, so I mean, I've got like
2: seventeen dollars, so like... <laughs> multiple and multiple of dollars. That's that's good.
4: <laughs> Victor, you so, have guys, some I, thoughts. I, Exactly. I was going to mention right now that I was going to jump in. So regarding to what uh, Ryan mentioning, uh, regarding uh, cannibalizing uh, club teams with a professional setup. Uh, let, first of all, before I say this, let me ask all of you guys. Do you think it's possible to have a professional league and still have amateur sides that feed into those professional teams? Let me, let me start yeah. with you first, Aaron. Okay, good.
1: Uh, I, mean, I don't know if you guys agree with
4: him. I guess my right my, my two words are shoot shield. Mm-hmm. Also, um, <laughs> because people are not are not, are not seeing this, um, just spell shoot shield wrong. There's not c in shoot. It's just S-H-U-T-E.
2: Aaron, why don't Sorry. you? Uh, Aaron, why don't you uh, go on and, and whatever the, the word is, talk oh. more about.
1: So the Why? Shoot Shield competition is, uh, you know, the elite uh, rugby union amateur level in, um, you know, in Australia. They have a TV deal where they're on free air television. They have a multimillion dollar sponsorship. And, you know, one of our players, James Hilterbrand, plays for a Shoot Shield club. Um, several of the Houston teams, guys played in shoot in the shoot shield this last year. It is the level of competition is crazy high. Like it is, you know, you're talking about physics, like, so athletic trainers, doctors, the film sessions you have to go through the training, you know, they still have to work regular jobs. Like James Hilton brand is an account manager. What does that mean? He has to sell a lot of stuff. You know, so he still puts in, you know, it's still, it is amateur, but it is a professional atmosphere.
2: Also compare that to the PRP, which is, I guess, trying to become, especially now with their deal with flow rugby, trying to become more like that where it's, you know, an elite group of clubs in this case in California. um, We're not at the same stage as like Australia or New Zealand, obviously. Um, But, you know, six clubs are coming together. They're playing top level competition against each other. They are, you know, televised. They have Samurai as um, their main sponsor. So it's more structured than a typical D1 club in that sense, or at least the competition. But, you know, it's it's, it's like a beginner part uh, of, like, the shoot shield, basically.
4: So going back to my, my point and the reason why I ask you guys is because this is the same problem, well, not really a problem, but the, 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 the fear that's happening down in Argentina. So Argentina has probably the best uh, amateur competition, urban or city-wide competition in the world, which is called El Torneo de la Urba, or the Urba Tournament, which is specifically for teams in the Buenos Aires Rugby Union, or, or Unión de Rugby de Buenos Aires. So the reason why it took the Argentinian team, de Los Pumas, so long to actually get to a certain level where people would actually... would respect them on an an international level and actually bother to play them because prior to 2007, no one really cared about the Argentinian teams. And and Argentinian players, if they wanted to get their level up, they had to go to Europe. That's where where so many of them, and still a lot of them in France and some of them in the UK. The reason why that was is because the Urba and the other unions in Argentina are afraid that with a professional setup, they're uh, amateur teams are going to go the way of the English teams. That they're going to lose players. The uh, the the clubs are just going to vanish or go away, and people are not going to pay attention to them. Because in Argentina, rugby is a really family-oriented sport. If you play in a in an Argentinian rugby team, is because your father played or your uncle played or a friend of yours played, and that's why you have these teams that are over 100 years. In, in the in the country, uh, which is here in the States, we don't really even have one that's over 100 years old, which is really sad, but that's precisely the point. So, so that is but, the reason why of my question.
1: So I guess I, I guess I can sort of lean into that because so last year um, they talked about forced relegation due to finances of Stade Francais. And then, well, they were going to merge with Rossing Metro. They end up being they end up being sold to uh, to WILD, Um, I think it's Franz Wild, Doctor Doctor WILD, uh, who owns WILD Companies Capri Sun. Um, So the (laughs) every team in France, uh, you know, in the top fourteen Pro D two, they all have amateur teams um, attached to them. So. If Stad had merged with Rossing ninety two, Stad Francais amateur lineage still existed. Um, We're seeing a resurgence with the London Welsh because there's two pieces to the London Welsh. There's the amateur side, and then there was the side that the professional side that went bankrupt. So,
2: yeah, that's what that's what we thought that. Like with the Huns, which later became Austin Elite Rugby, but we thought it was going to be a very similar kind of setup where there would be the amateur Huns, but then there would be professional Huns. Um, at least on the Argentina side, that's really – their club culture is apparently absolutely amazing. Um, I've heard uh, that basically in order to – it's something like the fans actually don't buy tickets to go, but if you are a member of that social club or that athletic club, then you get all these perks, which include – Going to the rugby and field hockey matches, and I had um, I had a friend who played field hockey in Argentina, and they were they were so tight knit. It was like you know Monday through Friday was just basically working for the weekend so that you can go and play rugby, and it's just ast- astonishing. I'd love to go down there, and if Argentina can actually host a World Cup in nine years or so, I, I would just be awesome to go down there. But America should host it first, but
4: that's just me. And, and by the way, guys, real quick, on the side of field hockey, field hockey in Argentina is a big sport, but a woman's sport. Their women's just, team... like,
1: just like in the United States.
4: Uh, yeah. well, Grass hockey is, well,
1: one, is a ladies In
2: sport. case anyone just uh, know.
4: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, Las Leonas are like one of the top 10 teams in women's field hockey, which is really funny because field hockey was actually the national sport of India in the main scene was, were, were the best one for many years until cricket came in and just took over as a national sport. A little fun fact for you all.
0: And we'll cover more of that further in detail uh, on Friday, our sports history podcast hosted, hosted by, by me.
2: Thank you. And of all the podcasts that we've come up saying, like, or have like geography or spelling or something, the, his sports history is actually the one that is a realistic podcast, at least. <laughs>
5: that's
2: actually a good plan for the
0: most yeah. part. So um, you are saying there's a better chance that's going to happen than a history podcast from us. That is a history podcast. Or, uh,
1: <laughs>
0: sorry, uh, distracted by uh, you know <laughs> slopes and, and ice and whatnot. All right, so uh, last part of this question, this uh, being the longest uh, section of questions ever SJ rugby concluded his questioning by asking,
3: wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. So we're still, we're still on this. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, we're still
2: going. <laughs> I mean, you can answer with a simple yes or no to most yes, of them. Please, write. you just could answer. We decided, we decided not to answer yes or no to all of them. <laughs> I guess you can't answer yes or no to any
0: of them. For, for the record, we dropped like five questions uh, after this one. So we'll we'll end with this and then uh, get out of here. Because uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, at some point I'd like to go to bed. So, uh, so what's the latest about uh, the San Francisco Bay Area team? And... What are the chances of a team coming to San Jose?
1: Zero. I, I So there was a – so we obviously had Gobelay's group. They pulled out. Um, then there was a – there's a local group exploring some things um, that they've looked at San Francisco, and it's just unfeasible. Like the – if you can buy land, it is – you're not going to afford to develop it in this like way. So I think if they're still together, they're exploring deep East Bay or maybe Sacramento. I I mean, I thought Sacramento was the place until this weekend. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, it's a beautiful stadium. I said, I would love, especially with that slide in the background, like that alone, probably get at least 2000 fans to each game. Um, it's an awesome stadium. It's just unfortunately
3: not many people showed up to it. I too have always wanted to slide down that slide as well.
2: Yeah, actually, I I really wish that whatever, whichever team wins goes directly to the slide and all of them <laughs> just go down at the same time. It's like the <laughs>
3: put a GoPro on them and put it in the broadcast. I'll yeah. do it. Next level, we'll rugby.
2: Let's go. <laughs> instead <laughs> of walking around and waving to all the fans and shaking their hand, straight to the slide. No, the whole fans. Everybody goes down the slide.
1: So Everyone. it's. Uh free, like a conga um, line down the slide. Attend the attend the rugby match, free trip down the water slide.
2: Yeah. There you go. Or well, the fans wait the bottom and all the uh players come down and you know high five them as they come out. <laughs> we're we're spitballing here, but I think this is this is a work in progress. USA rugby marketing, get on this right now. Yeah.
0: This this is a discussion that occurs when you're starting to approach midnight east coast time. This is the kind of thing we come up with. Yes,
3: yeah, busy day. <laughs>
0: Well, guys, I think that just about wraps it up for another great episode. Uh, Hey, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us, man. It's been good having you.
3: Hey, uh, this is awesome. Uh, I'm glad that I could come in. And uh, it's just unfortunate that I was part of this podcast. So now I have nothing to listen to while I'm doing dishes. So I'm sorry I'm going to tell my fiance, but dishes just aren't going to get done this week.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What what about – Preston and Warren, you don't listen to them during dishes? I do. Well, I mean, I do dishes
3: hopefully more than once a week. but Just once a week. Throw it <laughs> Just in. once a week. Throw it in. <laughs> so. yeah. No, but for real, man, it's been awesome. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, it's been uh, really fun and uh, really enjoy what you're doing. And, and truthfully, this is how I know about Major League Rugby. <laughs> well, there you go. And Reddit. Yeah. I don't know what Reddit is. I honestly saw Reddit for the first time the other day, and that may be a little bit embarrassing, but I don't know enough about a Reddit to be embarrassed by that, but I know I probably should be embarrassed by that.
1: Yeah. You can get lost. It's
0: a scary place. You're okay. Just listen <laughs> to us. You'll get everything you need to know. Sounds good to
2: days. me, there's going to be a Major League Rugby Four uh page too coming up. Again,
3: I keep no <laughs> cool
0: going deeper into the rabbit hole. Basically, oh man,
2: it's a hellhole there. Uh, it'd be horrible.
0: <laughs> so, uh, any parting thoughts, fellas?
1: i I'm, I'm out. Uh,
2: listen to us more. And the grind. Uh, listen to the grind. You know that's what Ryan's show is. And uh, Aaron is—is is Aaron a regular host, or is Aaron just there? You know,
3: every so often. I actually never knew that. No, Aaron's mm-hmm. part of the crew, man. I mean, we're like four. Man, to I walk. must
1: have—I must have earned it with my second appearance tonight.
3: Yeah, I mean, second appearance. Haven't you been on like since the beginning? Was, no, I three, feel like
1: three now. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. so sixty percent. All, all right, I'll so, take
3: it. To answer your question, when I'm. Thinking about the show, and I put the format out 20 minutes before air. I just assume Aaron's going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> like, so yes. It's a given. <laughs> but yeah, no, um, yeah, Now the grind is pretty cool, man. We're doing some good stuff, and uh, we're going to have to get some, pick some of these guys out of the crowd and uh, bring them on as well. Spikes things up a bit.
0: Yeah. All right. Hey, my last thought for the night is I just want to give a shout out to uh, one of our listeners and commenters tonight, uh, Brock his sevens team which is a age 10 and 12 age team is going to their national championships uh, so best what? of luck Brock hey, and thank you so much for tuning in and uh, yeah for getting in on the rugby early in life so keep it up maybe uh, there's some MLR uh, in your future maybe even national sevens team who knows so
1: probably thanks to
2: so did you say 10 year old listen to us? I
1: it's have probably- no idea <laughs> Probably the coach, man. You no, know, he said he's good. placed
2: fullback. That doesn't on change his age on man. his seventh. It change
5: his age, man?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, oh, man. Okay, I'll watch my language a bit more in the future.
3: <laughs> That's what I was thinking too, man. I'm thinking here. I'm like, you said that, and I'm like, oh my god, did I say anything? Oh, I said something. Oh, it oh, wasn't bad. Man.
5: I'm okay.
4: I'm mute, okay. Like, guys, so you're, so, guys, um, let, let, let's, let's clap for the kids, shall we, <laughs> for them go to the shepherdship? Oh, there you go. Best of luck to the kids. Okay, guys, so let, let, let me jump in because if not, we're going to be another hour here for you, everyone else talking. So, guys, first of all, thank you very much for joining us on another episode of Earful of Dirt. Uh, keep in mind, this was once again episode, oh, no, we didn't mention it. This is episode 23. Uh, by the way. So, of course, guys, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel that is Earful of Dirt Podcast. Make sure to follow us and subscribe to the page, uh, well, to the channel if you have not uh, done so. Of course, make sure to like us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure to check out our website, earfulofdirt.com, Who are writing every week about something MLR-related. Make sure to, of course, follow uh, Josh's writings, which are very insightful. Uh, Also, on iTunes, make sure to add us to your feed. And not only iTunes, but also if you don't have access to it, ACAS, Google Play, Stitcher, Play, and FM, and leave us a review on whichever platform you can. Uh, Again, guys, we want those reviews back. We haven't gotten one in a while. So let's do this quickly. Uh, also, guys, make sure to call us and leave us a voicemail on our following number, which is 1-720-600-2679. And once again, that's 1-720-600-2679. Uh, keep in mind the broadcast, almost forgot to mention, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific time. So with that said, everyone, once again, thank you for listening. I'm Victor. Once again, that was Aaron. That was Dan. That was Corey. That was Josh. And, of course, our a guest, Mr. Ryan Gainty from Next Level Games. Next Level Rugby, excuse me, Next Level Games. Sorry. That was a video game developer. In any case, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Good night, everybody.
0: Connect with Earful of Dirt anytime. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. Until next time, for Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for joining us.